Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Another night, another loss. This time to the defending champs, Milwaukee Bucks. But Alex, we're not going to start there. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of trade wins circling around the Knicks right now. Nothing super definitive, but we wanted to get into that first. Just talk about where this team is right now. Sort of take an assessment of where they are. Because we're now pretty close to the trade deadline. We're about a week and a half away. Uh, so we're going to do that first, take an assessment of the Knicks and it just present some of the rumors that have been flying around. And then we'll talk about the Knicks game against the Bucks, why it felt like they were never quite in it despite being close, uh, why the rotations, once again, didn't make a ton of sense to us. Uh, and yet also there was some semblance of Tibbs making a little bit of sense, uh, a bunch to get into as far as the game's concerned. Uh, but first, some trade rumors next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your favorite New York Knicks podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Seriously, if you're if this is the first thing you're doing on Saturday, maybe you have to question some life decisions, but we really appreciate it. And if you're already making that somewhat crazy decision to relive last night's game with us this morning, might as well do it on YouTube because we are now on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, if you've never done it, check it out just one time. I promise you will. I think I think you'll enjoy the experience. Anyways, I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And the New York Knicks fell last night to the Milwaukee Bucks, 123-108. to The Bucks dropped 39 points on the Knicks in the first quarter. It looked like it was potentially going to be a blowout. Uh, Julius Randle sat for a long time in the second. The Knicks uh, got back into the game. They played pretty well throughout the third, consistently within – um, three to one to five points. And then in the fourth, uh, Giannis uh, started running jumpers, looking like a hyper-athletic Kevin Durant. And uh, it was all over. The Milwaukee separated. The Knicks fell. And Alex, we were left with another one of those sort of like bitter taste games. But one I almost can't completely rip the Knicks for because I think they played pretty hard and just got outclassed by a far superior team. And then again, there's no need to start with that because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. What does matter, will the Knicks make a big move before the trade deadline? Yeah, and there's there's a lot flying around as far as that's concerned right now. And, you know, we were talking about it before we started recording. It's sort of uh, there's something to be said for the fact that this game was almost like a barometer for, yeah, maybe the Knicks should be sellers at this point, you know, because – they did, by and large, I think, give it their best in this game, and yet they're they just couldn't hang with the Bucks. It always felt like they should have been about fifteen points back. So let's get into a few of these rumors real quick. We'll lead off with with these this little news dump because a lot of people have been talking about the Knicks suddenly, uh, which makes me think maybe something is is in the works here, or maybe multiple things are in the works. Uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast said uh, one thing that he had said that I think is very 
uh, encouraging is they said the Knicks are getting a lot of calls about Emmanuel quickly. Uh, it seems like other teams think that the Knicks might be looking for a quick fix, and, <laughs> no pun intended, um, and, you know, would be looking to get quickly out of New York uh, to, you know, give them some sort of uh, shot in the arm, you know, to try to salvage the season. And Lowe also said it seems like the Knicks are not super receptive to that at all and, and seem pretty guarded with quickly. Uh, also, he said that they would probably deal Evan Fournier, but it would cost them. At this particular point, that does not surprise me. I know prior to the season, we said that his contract should always be movable with how he plays normally, but he has not played how he plays normally this year. And so it's it's now, I think, officially a negative value contract. So that makes sense. Uh, Brian Windhorst was saying that the Knicks could be open to trading the vets. He mentioned in part to free up playing time for Cam Reddish. Um, I don't know if Reddish would necessarily be the number one priority, but, you know, it, I think that they see the writing on the wall that maybe now's the time to, you know, get rid of a few of these vets with the schedule being as hard as it is coming up and, and their playoff chances dwindling in a, a much better East this year. Uh, Ian Begley, our buddy, says all the vets are on the table, basically. Even said, and this was the first time I had seen this, that even Julius Randle could be had for the right price and that they have taken a couple calls on Julius Randle. And then uh, a couple people in the in the Knicks sphere uh, sort of alluded to that as well. Uh, our buddy John Macri uh, said something to that effect, though it was being kind of tight-lipped about it. And then uh, our buddy CP at Knicks Fan TV says, hearing about five to eight teams interested in Randall, including the Kings, anything's possible between now and the offseason. Change of scenery might be best for both sides. So, you know, that specifically mentions the Kings. Uh, Gavin, where, where do you stand with all these rumors? I mean, I think, I think at this point, I wouldn't blame the Knicks if they were looking to potentially even trade Randall, who they just, you know, made this commitment to in the off season, but it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen a franchise do that. And, and a competent one at that, you know, the same thing did happen with the Clippers with Blake Griffin famously, uh, where they offloaded Blake and then not two seasons later, or I, I don't even think it was a full two seasons later, they end up with. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George because they just kind of went a different direction and uh, you know decided that, that was the way that they wanted to go instead of with Blake. You know it's it's not unheard of that a, a guy does get traded very shortly into a new extension or a new contract. It's just kind of unusual, but it, with how Randall's been playing and the general body language, the sort of Randall himself had a, a a sort of I don't I wouldn't call it weird, but a a very deep quote you know yesterday prior to the game about how he he wants to stay in new york uh you know he wants to win here he's still committed to the team and blah 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 almost felt like damage control uh, of if he's hearing these same things that he might be on the move at the trade deadline that you know he just kind of wants it out there like hey i'm not necessarily asking for this uh but you know it's just happening so i i don't know I, where do you stand with all these rumors right now yeah, so I think uh, they're they're all worth addressing. I think the Randall element is the most fascinating because all the other guys like Burks, Kemba, to a lesser extent Fournier, because he, he's obviously someone who, if he if he stays here in New York, will be the pivotal part of the rotation next three years. But Kemba and Burks not really going to be a huge part of the Knicks' future, right? Um, Randall was supposed to be the Knicks' entire future, and it, this is a dramatic shift, even though we're 50 games in, and obviously it's been a pretty deplorable 50 games 
for Randall, this is the guy who made second team all NBA, who got MVP votes a, a year ago, who who defined like this entirely revamped culture and was was the hero of New York. Like maybe was the hero of New York sports, even even beyond the Knicks. And, and the idea that again, 50 games into a season later, you're gonna move off that guy. Um I don't know. It's 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 really it's interesting to me. And unlike you, I mean, and like everyone sending out these reports, like I find it very very plausible that they could do that. I don't even know if it would be the wrong move because I, I think the Clippers example you used is is a perfect one. Um, the whole point of signing Julius Randle to a fantastic contract, or at least fantastic relative to how he played last season, now it looks like a, a fair or maybe even a little bit of a generous contract, is that it is eminently movable in the Knicks maybe will not uh, definitively will not get back the return they would have got trading last year's version of Randall, but they could still get back a good player. Like Harrison Barnes is like a name that's been thrown around a little bit. Um, I, I mean, some, some people even have gone to like loftier territory than that. Um, or, or maybe it's just a package of picks that the Knicks get back. But the whole point of signing Randall to that contract is you can get assets back for him. And, and in the past, I think people would have pushed back and say, all right, but that's how you destroy your reputation around the league that you just spent a year building up, like turning Julius Randall from like a pumpkin into, into a, a carriage. Um, the whole point of that was, Hey, like other people are going to want to come and be a part of that. And people love like the loyalty that the Knicks showed and bring him back. But then to your Clippers analogy, none of that really matters because ultimately like stars want to go where they want to go. And if it, it's, it's a star that's, a, that's good enough to make a substantial difference in the Knicks championship aspirations down the road, it's not going to be someone who has a really significant concern about getting traded. Like we also saw reports from Ian Begley that there's people around the NBA. think it's inevitable that Donovan Mitchell ends up in New York. He has four years left on his contract. So I, I personally, I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen, but in, to that point, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think would really care at all that Julius Randle was traded. He said, I, I am not Julius Randle. I'm Donovan Mitchell. That's not going to happen to me. Um, so I, I think it's, it's an interesting it, it, it's fascinating to me that this conversation is out there. I, I like you. I think it's I think it's plausible that it actually happens. Um, I just think if I were if I were the Knicks front office, I would think long and hard about what the follow up moves are to that this offseason, because you, you might have a completely different roster next year. And theoretically, you, you might have one down the road that Randall fits a whole lot better. And I, I guess the counter argument to that is. Uh, if Tibbs is forever going to insist on playing a, a rim protecting center that is not um, in the Miles Turner mold, and the Knicks can't get a Miles Turner because those guys, the centers who protect the rim and shoot threes, don't grow on trees, uh, Randall will just never really fit in what Tibbs wants to do because you're going to need a shooter at the four spot, and apparently he's he's no longer a shooter. Yeah, and uh, I, I got another another comment on that but uh, i think we should probably take our first break real quick gavin did you want to let everybody know about betonline.ag maybe maybe they're gonna list odds for the knicks uh staying on the team soon oh wow you know i would i i i think i could put some money on down on that but you know alex there might be less football being played but bet online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scored totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land Bet online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one spot or excuse me, your number one online wagering destination. 
Bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Alex, I, I just went on my whole Randall rant. What is what is your reaction to this seeming increasingly realistic, at the very least, that the Knicks will have conversations about Julius Randall? Well, I wanted to I want to sort of address your thing that you said about, you know, someone like a Donovan Mitchell, right? Like, and I mean, I'm not gonna start getting myself all hyped up about it potential for Donovan Mitchell or something because you know that it Leon Rose had a lot of clients obviously all of them are at some point or another going to get linked to the Knicks but like most of them are in pretty pretty good situations like you know Mitchell with the Jazz really not too shabby you know uh and you know obviously Devin Booker with the Suns fantastic situation Joel Embiid with the Sixers you know playing like an MVP right now I mean, it's Leon Rose represented really good players and, you know, got them in really good situations before he eventually took the Knicks job. So kudos to Leon, I guess. But unfortunate for the Knicks that he didn't set up any of these guys in terrible crap destinations with nobody around them, I guess. Dolan should have given one more year as a mole at CAA and gotten a lot of these guys over and then taken the job. Then you could have, yeah, right? You know, hey, Donovan, sign a contract with the Timberwolves and then we'll, you know, we'll get you on the Knicks in a couple years or whatever. Um, At any rate, though, like what what stood out to me with what you said was, you know, a guy like Donovan Mitchell potentially saying, like, I don't really care if Julius Randle is there. And I feel like that might be one of the primary motivators to the Knicks making this sort of trade is that I think one thing that has shown up that has not been good for Randall this year is this sort of, we've we've always said, we've said this since last year and whatever, like ideally you'd want Julius Randall to be like your 1B star, you know, or even your third best player if you could really swing it, you know, for, a, for like a actual championship caliber team. And I think that what we've seen this year is that Randall, when he hasn't been the focal point of this team, just doesn't seem to know what to do with himself. And I feel like a lot of stars, like 1A stars, you know, that would be coming here and wanting to be the guy would look at that and say, like, I don't know if that's the guy that I want to be my running mate, you know, because he doesn't seem to want to play in a style that's anything other than him handling the ball, him setting everybody up and him being like the focal point of the offense. It almost to a degree, and I hate to draw this comparison, but it's it's the first one that comes to mind for me. It's almost like how things used to run in OKC with Westbrook, you know, like where Westbrook had to be the alpha and the omega, the guy getting every point, every rebound, every assist. And, you know, I don't think it's quite that crazy with Randall, but I, I do think that there's maybe something to be said for like, you know, that's how Randall seems to view his role. And now that he's in a situation where the Knicks are maybe asking him like, hey, you know, can RJ run some more plays or can, you know, Kemba, you know, bring the ball down half the time or whatever. It seems like those plays are the ones where we end up looking and saying, wow, Julius Randle looks kind of checked out. And then the defensive sequences after those are where we say, wow, like, look at how nonsensically, you know, lackadaisical he's being as far as, you know, guarding his man and sticking with them. You know, because he just seems completely out of the game when he's not the focal point of it. So maybe that's running through the Knicks, you know, brass's minds too, where they're saying, man, you know, we thought this could be one way, but it's another way. So if we get an opportunity to change it right now, why not just get the the ball rolling right now and, you know, figure out where we're at um, going forward, you know, with with RJ as sort of the, the 
primary cog in the team, which is sort of how things have been going lately anyway, with the fact that RJ has been, you know, by and large, like taking the most shots. Uh, he's been their leading scorer like this whole month. He's had a fantastic month and it looks like he's really turning a corner. So maybe the Knicks now just kind of say, all right, well, rest of the season is mostly mostly out the window anyway. So let's just kind of install RJ as the, the primary guy on this team and trade Randall for maybe someone that can operate better as a, a secondary guy and see where things go. Um, I, I don't know, though. I, I, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I, I'd like a Julius Randall biopic one day titled Nonsensically Lackadaisical, The Julius Randall Story. I think that would, that would be good. Maybe, yeah, maybe I've got a point is his King's years. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be the that'll be, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kings or wherever else. I yeah. mean, I don't know if there's five to eight teams calling. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I could see him being still looking valuable to some other teams and maybe some other teams too think we can get more of the New Orleans version out of him than the Knicks version. Because in New Orleans, he was a pick and roll threat, a pick and pop threat, you know, like he did all these things and maybe he just needs an environment where there's a defined like alpha dog that he would like, you know, sort of be forced to, you know, play Play under, I guess play off of. Yeah. Like that he would respect enough to be like, okay, you run the show and I'll be the secondary guy. Yeah. I don't know if that's it. If it's just like he's kind of like thrown off by like, well, Kemba's kind of washed up. Like, why do I have to, you know, play off of him on some plays? And like RJ is like five years younger than me or six years younger than me. Why do I have to play off of him? You know, that I mean, sort of thing. The thing is, in, in defense of Julius, like, like he's not wrong about either of those things. Like, like the Knicks don't have another guy who should be the number one option. So that's where like, if I'm inclined to defend his season, it's that I think Tibbs and I think Julius both realized like the best version of the Knicks last year for a reason was everything running through Julius and Julius shooting like he did last year, like justifies that. It's just that when he doesn't like, it looks horrific, but the Knicks don't really have an alternative. So I, I, I do think there's a world where he can find a lot of success on another team. Like we say it all the time. Like he, he has all the skill necessary to be pretty ideal as like a third option on, on almost any team. Again, ideally would be playing with four shooters and like a, a center that could shoot. But even, even even sans that, like on the right roster, I think he could still – he could make it work, especially if you give him time with like bench units that are more shooting heavy, like maybe some lineups where he's a small ball center. And obviously there are other coaches that are Tibbs that would be more inclined to do that a little bit more often. Um, it's interesting. I do think there's a world where he looks really, really good in another situation. But we, we've, we've talked so much about Randall. Uh, let's, let's quickly uh, mention the other guys. Uh, you noted Fournier. Uh, Burks is someone, uh, if you guys haven't paying attention, we're doing a lot of episodes trying to trade him. I think with Burks, the fascinating question will be, has he played poorly enough the last month that he is no longer worth a late first round pick? Um, I think there are smarter teams out there that will recognize that for the first month or, or month and a half of the season, when he was playing like exceptionally well, and like one of the best three point shooters in the NBA, he got to play with Derek Rose. And if you can provide him with a similar situation where he's not completely overtaxed, then I still think he can be someone who like, this is what we always say with Burks, like just doesn't really take anything off the table. Um, one, one thing to know with him that Fred Katz pointed out, he's shooting. Uh, I think the stat was, this, this sounds insane, but 36% at the rim this year, like, like horrifically bad. Uh, so that is something that I'm sure most contenders will be wary of and, and maybe could diminish his value a little bit. And Kemba, I still think on the right team has value as sort of a, 
six man type guy. Uh, that being said, the Knicks will not be getting a first round pick for Kemba Walker. I think if they can get a second round pick for him, they would be doing pretty well. But Alex, I'll, I'll just I'll just throw this to you to wrap up this segment. Obviously, we're gonna have more discussion on this. But at the end of the day, uh, if I gave you like an over under of one and a half players on the Knicks that get traded at the deadline, would, which which direction would you go on that? I think presently I'm trending towards over. You know, I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I don't, you know, this Knicks front office is so tight-lipped that I don't feel like they would be, I don't feel like the Knicks would be entering everybody's mouths all at once unless it was coming from the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like, so I almost think this is calculated on their part, like sort of getting <laughs> getting people ready for the possibility that this team might be completely different after the deadline. Because, um, you know, that. By and large, this team has been like Fort Knox with leaks. You know, they don't let anything out. They are, you know, always, you know, ahead of everything, you know, and and certain moves have taken, you know, people in the media completely by surprise. Like the Derrick Rose trade, very, pe- very few people had until like the moment it was done. Um, and, and, you know, there's been a few things that have had some seeds planted like the, like the uh, Fournier, you know, move, for example, people were pretty on top of, but then the Kemba thing comes completely out of nowhere, for example. And nobody even knew that that was really in the works until literally like Woj tweeted it that morning. Um, So this, this team works in mysterious ways. And I I think that the, the fact that we are talking about, Hey, we're hearing from, you know, Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorst, Ian Begley, um, even, you know, some of our, our Knicks, you know, centric contemporaries like CP and Macri, you know, that the Knicks are getting busy right now with working the trade phone lines. I don't think that's accidental. I think that's intentional. I think that they're starting to get this stuff out there and maybe using this as a way to sort of let the rest of the league know, like, hey, if you haven't called us, give us a call because everybody's on the table at this point, other than maybe like RJ or IQ or, you know, like some of the, the guys that we value the most. Um, so we'll see. But as of right now, yeah, I'm, I'm on the over on that. But what do you think as far as a number? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. Because I think, I mean, it could end up being like another guy on the margins. But I think something will really surprise us. And I know that that's a very general uh, prediction. But I think, I think there's going to be like some weird left turn to your point because the upfront office is so covert. And also just it, it's – it's obvious that there needs to be a real significant shakeup here and what is currently happening is not working. And ironically, the best way to rebuild last season's energy might be to really, really suck and, and just play again, a Deuce McBride 30 something minutes a game, a Quentin Grimes, certainly 30 something minutes a game. And, and, and in doing so not as effectively as last year, because the team just won't be as good, but recapture some of that same energy of a team that just scraps and plays hard and gets some unexpected wins. Um, but Alex, um, if the Knicks want to play harder throughout the season, maybe downing some built bars wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah, it is the new year. And that means New Year's resolutions. Maybe the Knicks are resolving to, you know, work harder in the new year. It certainly hasn't really come to fruition yet. But if your New Year's resolution is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? 
Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs, compared to 17 grams of protein. That is, you know, you're not going to find that in any candy bar, where most of those have 240 calories, as much as 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, and of course, lots of fat from all that, like caramel and nougat and everything else. You're not going to get any of that from Built Bars. And so if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Gavin, we have put it off long enough. I suppose we have to talk about this game from last night. Uh, the Knicks hit national TV again. Really weird game. It was, the, it was like a, a West Coast start time for a Midwest game. Uh, good for the people in Milwaukee. They got to have a nighttime game. And honestly, okay, first off, this is totally totally off, uh, separate from anything. But props to their arena crew. Like, uh, are the Bucks cool? Like, their arena sounds like a party the whole time. Like, they, uh, big, big props to whoever does, like, their music and just, like, in arena sound. Because that place, that place sounded awesome, like, the whole night. And, I mean, I guess that's that championship afterglow and everything, too. But... That place seems so fun. Like, I, I would have loved to have been in there as a neutral observer, <laughs> not as a Knicks fan. But uh, the Knicks, of course, lose 123 to 108 to Milwaukee. Uh, they, you know, you alluded to it in the open of the show, Gavin, but, the, you know, they sort of kept things close for a while. They were only down, you know, as little as like a handful of points for most of the game, like all the way through like the third quarter. Then Giannis turns it on in the fourth, just absolutely torches them. And Milwaukee just sort of reminded the Knicks, like, by the way, we're better than you. Um, and we're a championship contender, and you guys are a playoff at this point pretender. And that's it. And we're just going to beat you. And I, I really did think that other than maybe Julius Randle, which I hate to make this kind of like the crap on Julius Randle pod, but I didn't think that he put forth a really great effort in this game. Uh, I thought the rest of the Knicks really looked like they were trying, and that's probably the most concerning thing is that they really tried their best, and ultimately they got squashed by the Bucks, uh, and it, which is a team that they managed to beat, you know, a couple times last year. I believe they beat them earlier this year too. Yeah, earlier that this comeback, season. that amazing comeback. Yeah, like, earlier this it feels like a different year, right? Yeah. I was gonna say it feels like a different, you know, eternity uh, from now. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this game, but it, I. Even when they were down by three, I just never felt like they were going to win this game because it always felt like the Bucs were just that closing run away from winning this thing. Yeah, I'm with you. It, felt, it was it was depressing because they, they played pretty well and just could not compete down the stretch. Um, I thought Evan Fournier, I'm going to give him props, 25-7-3. Uh, I thought he was pretty awesome in this game. Like, I think it's telling that he finished the game with, with five fouls and that, like, he, he played his ass off defensively, at least as far as I was watching. Like, had a, had a couple of, like, really nice deflections, had a nice block at one point, hit a big three that made it um, 113 to 108, and, and you felt for a second that the Knicks were um, back in it. And then that that obviously fell away as like Giannis was was inexplicably just just raining jumpers. I, I made the Kevin Durant analogy looking like prime Dirk Nowitzki at points while also just dunking on people. But I thought Fournier played ridiculously hard. He had like his shot of the season. He had like this sick like blow by of Grayson Allen into like a 180 and one circus layup. That was really nice. I thought Kemba Walker was was not great. I mean, shot just took a lot of deep threes and missed all four of them, uh, but did finish with eight points, seven assists, five boards. Like, I think he, I think he played hard. I think it was very telling that the Knicks best run of this game was in the second quarter uh, when Randall sat until the four minute mark and, and Kemba and Fournier were allowed some time to just 
roll with like OB Grimes and Mitch, I believe was the lineup. And, and Kemba hit Mitch on this really nice pick and roll lob. And it just sort of gave you this vision of like this other team where like if Randall had just like missed like 10 games at some point this year, um, what would the Knicks have looked like? Just, just catering their offense around Kemba Walker, running spread pick and roll, giving him three shooters, letting Mitch run to the rim. And, and to me, when I was, when I was so excited about this team in the preseason, I was saying, frankly, crazy stuff like that. The Knicks could have a top five offense. Um, I, my vision of it was, well, Julius is going to be a 40% three point shooter again. And it's going to be Kemba running a spread pick and roll, except with like the super elite, like rim attacker and Julius uh, getting to uh, go against the slanted defense. And when Julius's shot fell off, we never really got that vision for the team. But we got a little bit of a glimpse of it tonight with Tibbs altering his rotation and, and, and giving some time to that group. So I thought that was that was sort of cool to see. Uh, Alex, I'll let you get into it. But I thought uh, Quinn Grimes was, was ultimately the, the shining light in a positive direction in this game um, in that second quarter where he just took over the game, raining threes, hitting a floater, uh, looking all around like uh, maybe the most promising young prospect on this team, at least at least for five, six minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not even, you know, it's not even just a five, six minutes thing. I mean, he's just consistently stringing together fantastic games at this point. Like, I think that, I think we've reached a point where, I mean, and and I would imagine the Knicks probably feel this way too, but, you know, with all the trade deadline talk, he's probably worked himself into, if if I was going to say two guys are basically untouchable on the Knicks right now, it would probably be RJ and Grimes because, at least especially if they're going to keep going with Tibbs, you know, as, as the head coach for the foreseeable future, you know, if, if his job isn't in jeopardy so much as the players being more in jeopardy uh, for getting moved, then, you know, I, I think RJ and Grimes take, you know, they're like Tibbs's favorites for with good reason. And, you know, are guys that this front office is invested in, even if RJ wasn't technically drafted by them. Um, I, I love this game. You know, like you said, the, the one thing that really stood out to me more so than the threes, which, I mean, his three-point shot is just still – it's mesmerizingly good. I mean, he got some shots off in this game, and not all of them went in and some of them missed. And, you know, he's still working through the kinks of, you know, I, I think still getting his his shot off um, f- over the course of a whole game and being able to keep that same lift on his shot and everything because he's got a pretty, a pretty high jump in his shot and stuff like that. So I, I think, you know, some of it is like a – uh, fatigue thing over time and you know you see that with guys especially rookies and he's at that that rookie wall point of the season even it, because he didn't play that much to start the year you know now he's had I would say consistent playing time in close to about 30 games and you know we always talk about this every single year with Knicks rookies that that's when they hit the rookie wall a little bit clearly he's not hitting it with his defense but I, I do wonder if maybe he's kind of working his way through the the endurance needed to put up you know seven eight nine three-point shots in a game um, as an NBA player night in, night out, you know, that takes a lot of energy to generate those shots and have them go exactly how you want them to go uh, on every single attempt, especially when you're doing it with closing pressure and stuff. But his jumper is just gorgeous, Um, you know, when he gets it off. And, you know, it's even if it's not going in, I I still pretty much always feel like it's going to go in just because of how consistent his motion is and everything. But the thing that stood out to me was the – the little floater in traffic, uh, you know, kind of just took it into the paint and threw up a little floater. And those are the little things, you know, if he, if he shows the ability to like run a quick pick and roll with like a Mitchell Robinson or, you know, get into the lane and make a quick floater. We're, we're starting to talk about a guy who's, 
I mean, they're, they're different players, but you know, those are sort of some of the skills that made us think with Emmanuel quickly last year, like, Oh, this kid could be really special because he could do other things than just shoot a three ball and play decent defense. In Grimes's case, he plays like phenomenal, arguably best on the team defense. Uh, definitely. I would say at this particular moment, the best wing defender on the team without a doubt, uh, and the best point of attack defender on the team without a doubt does that plus can make threes at a high clip around 40% plus, you know, if he starts being able to put the ball on the floor a little bit, it, I think I've made this analogy before, but it's almost like then talking about, you know, what we were talking about with Evan Fournier, where it's like, Oh, this guy is like Reggie Bullock plus plus, you know, like except for with Grimes, it would actually be the case with the defense. Um, but on offense, you know, being able to put it on the floor, being able to have something in your bag other than just a three point shot, is so important. And you talk about it a lot, but that's where some of his, his old like point guard instincts really show through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his, his explosive, we didn't really get to see it in this game, but his explosiveness attacking closeouts is probably the single most pleasant surprise for me on top of his passing on those types of plays. Um, another guy I wanted to note, uh, RJ Barrett, uh, pretty inefficient six for 20 from the field. That's 30%. Not great. Made up for it a little bit going three for eight from three, eight for 10 from the foul line was certainly a sight for sore eyes. I thought he made some really good plays in this game. I thought he made some really crappy plays in this game. One that stood out was uh, late in the third during the next comeback run. Um, one of his best passes of the year where he blew by Dante DiVincenzo. Giannis came over and helped, and, and RJ just sort of like looped it around um, Giannis's back to Nerlens for a dunk. And it kind of it brought a smile to my face. Too. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a Steve Nash pass. That, that's something he got, he got from his godfather. So that was, that was like a nice, a nice little moment. Um, in this game um, outside of that, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of typical of RJ, right? Cause we always talk about how like Ben Simmons, uh, uh, thank God, not, not an issue anymore for at least from RJ's perspective um, would, would just torture him on defense. Uh, I feel like the bucks with just all their like long defenders. That was very much true for RJ too. And that's why he was by and large so efficient again, give him credit for continuing to attack, but this is sort of what the Knicks have to buckle up for. If, if, they are going to trade a Julius Randle. You're going to have a lot of six for 20 nights from RJ Barrett because he's just, he's not quite ready to be that number one guy, especially against some of the more fearsome defenses in the NBA. I thought Emmanuel quickly had similar issues to RJ where uh, Milwaukee was just very, very comfortable switching whoever on him. And, and they presented so much size or in the case of Drew Holiday, so much physicality and savviness that IQ couldn't really do anything attacking those guys. And where IQ shined the last few weeks isn't necessarily beating people one-on-one -on -one and scoring or hitting step back threes. It, it, it's, it's drawing just enough of a help defender that he can throw some ridiculous pass and, and have all these games where he's getting seven or eight assists and only 20 minutes out there uh, tonight uh, against this Bucks team or last night against this Bucks team. That was not the case. I didn't think he had a particularly good game. Yeah, I, I wasn't particularly wowed by quickly either. Also, Alec Burks, you know, despite putting up a statistically pretty good game, it, that was surprising to me. I mean, he this was a night where I think uh, plus minus kind of told the story, minus 21 for him, worst on the team. I, I wasn't, I don't know, his his minutes didn't strike me. Uh, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel like he was making a huge impact out there despite 10 points, three boards, two assists uh, in 18 minutes. It just was kind of a man night for Burks. Um I guess the last guy that I'll just briefly talk about just in the interest of time is just Randall and, you know, nine points, four, nine shooting, 11 boards, three assists, four turnovers. I just, it, it was a listless game for him. And if the Knicks are indeed looking to trade him, it's games like these are the reason why, you know, he just, he didn't look like he was interested in playing basketball tonight or last night. 
you know, he didn't score his first points until almost the end of the second quarter. You know, he got benched for a large period of the second quarter as a result of not really looking like he wanted to be there and yet still managed to find his way to 37 minutes and was not super effective in those minutes. I just, again, if, if the Knicks are looking to trade him, I think games like this are why, because I just, I didn't think that he brought it tonight. And unfortunately that's been the case more often than not this season. And it's sad to see, it's sad to acknowledge, but that's just kind of the reality for the Knicks at this point with him. Yeah, it was weird. And this is almost sadder for me than if he just really didn't give a crap. I kind of think he wanted to play hard and he wanted to make an impact, but he's so lost right now and so doesn't know what his role is and, and so doesn't know where he's effective or, or how he's effective. Like, like to me, like almost the saddest play of the game for him was, was a shot that went in. It was, it was his, I, I can't remember if it was his first point or maybe he got this in the third quarter, but it was that turnaround jumper that he hit where it bounced off the rim two times and just flashing back to last year where he's hitting that shot maybe four times a game or some iteration of that shot four times a game. And he looks so unsure of himself and the shot just barely went down. And to me that that sort of epitomized like last year, Julius versus this year, Julius, that he just, he didn't even look like he was comfortable taking it. And last year he, he, he didn't even think it was going to go in. He knew it was going to go in every time he took that shot. And I think he's, he's a guy that just is again, like, I don't know if it's a change of scenery I don't know if he'd benefit from if the Knicks keep him. Tibbs just like bench him a couple of games and just him watching. Like I don't know if he's a guy who would benefit from like getting pulled early and then getting to play with the second unit. Um, I feel I feel weird even belaboring the point because we spent twenty something minutes of this episode talking about Julius Randle, but uh, lost lost is the word I would use. L- less so even than him not trying right now. Yep, I'm with you, and uh, I think unfortunately that's the note to end this podcast on. So. <laughs> thank you all for listening we'll be back next week uh still you know keeping up with all this trade deadline scuttlebutt so we'll be you know covering all that plus all the next games next week try to get some cool guests on for you guys again uh particularly from other teams to get some perspectives like we have been lately so keep your ears out for that keep your eyes out on youtube if you could uh and maybe throw us a, a subscription there and uh yeah we'll talk to you all next time peace out everybody talk to you all soon